0: Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to Quotenow.biz, and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, we have Guido Nunez returning. Guido was on episode 51 and talked about Boost Your NOI for Big Profits. Guido is the founder of Chris Lino Wealth Partners. He has over 20 years of experience in consumer products industry, holds an MBA, a second degree black belt, a four-time marathoner, and has over 200 doors. Welcome to the show, Guido. Can you start
1: by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Thanks, Gary. Yeah, so my name is Guido Nunez. My company is Chris Lino Wealth Partners. We are focused only on multifamily primarily in California, Arizona, although we have some other properties outside of those, but those are kind of our focus. I run the W2 Investor, which is really about, you know, helping the everyday worker, professional, anyone who has a career that wants to also become an investor and create those passive income streams.
0: Nice, nice. Well, today I want to talk to you about managing C&D properties. You know, a lot of investors pass on them, but if you're willing to do the work, you can find some great returns. First off, what makes a deep property, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So there's a few things that makes a deep property. I mean, one of the things you can just visually from the property itself, there's a ton of deferred maintenance. The neighborhood itself could have much higher crime rates. When you look at the NOI statements, you can see, you know, a lot of inefficiencies some of them could have a lot of high maintenance, but at the same time, you can see a lot of deferred maintenance in there. so the maintenance line could be really minimal. And looking at the property, it's not so nice. So you can see that there's been a lot of neglect. Other ways to tell is if you're looking at uh, certain properties in a different city, that price per door could be350,000, but in a D property, It may be 200,000 or even 175,000. That is a big indicator of what you're in a deep property. Another way to do it is you walk at night and you decide you don't want to open your door. That's a big indicator you're probably in a deep property or neighborhood.
0: So, what are you tackling first at TakeOver or or some of the first things you want to do? Because there's a lot of different things you want to do, but what are the couple of things you're going to focus on?
1: Yeah. So, you know, what I've learned in managing up deep properties is. It's really about, you know, how you approach the tenant and for lack of better words, just it's a kind of about respect with the residents there. So the first thing that we do in day one, month one is just like any other property. We walk the property, we see what, what we want to change, what isn't working, what has made that property kind of in disrepair. So good examples is the parking lots have a bunch of interoperable cars that are parked there if tenants or residents decided to use their front area as a second patio with a bunch of junk, if people are just hanging out loitering in front of uh, inside the building. So you're going to start documenting all those kind of things like what do we need to change, right? So what we do after we, we understand and assess the situation, we're writing down what the new rules and policies of the building is going to be Once we have that all kind of flushed out and we know that that is the map to get the building back to where it needs to be, we mail all those rules and policies to all the new residents. We post them in every place above the mailbox, laundry rooms, and we do a knock with a property manager. So we do it in a couple of days just to see if we can get to meet most of the residents. So, you know, what that does is a few things. The first one is residents know when owners or property managers are absent or they don't care. So by doing that, you kind of give a presence that everyone knows there's a new owner, they care. And you start to kind of paint the map of what the property is all about, right? There's gonna there's a lot of good people and residents in deep properties. It's just what life has had at them. And it's just discovering what those new uh, good tenants are. And you're going to find a lot of the bad ones, right? And the good tenants are going to start telling you, hey, there's some bad ones here. They do some kind of illegal stuff. And then it comes down to all about documenting and trying to get all the bad tenants out. So that's what we do in day one, month one. You make it sound really easy.
0: <laughs> I lot, love
1: it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of headaches. Yeah, it's a lot of headaches. You know, through uh, my time, we've a lot of those bad tenants have left, but it it took a lot of documentation, a lot of battling, a lot of headaches, and some of them got evicted, but uh, you know for reasons.
0: But I, I love it. You know, you you said you know create a presence so they so they know that. They're active and they want to improve the property. Treat the, all the residents with respect, which is which goes a long way, and then get a few easy wins. And I think that that just multiplies things. You get a couple people that get the getting the cars out, which sometimes is, it takes a little bit, and we I've been down that road before, and and getting them to clean it up, everything snowballs, and so you're you're pushing that property in the right direction. So
1: yeah, in terms of like rent increases that day one month one action really goes a long way because everyone wants to live in a place that is you know peaceful secure, and clean and you can't take rent up and in, in deep properties very quick and fast because they'll leave but in just showing presence that somebody cares about the property the bad tenants are leaving you could start pushing that rent up a little bit and people are going to be okay with it
0: So ultimately, you want to try to move that D property to a C property. And I know it takes time based on how many units and whatnot, but but what are some of the the big projects to to get there, to get it to that C property? In terms of capital investments? Whatever things are in your business plan.
1: Yeah, so I'll give you a perfect example. One of the things that we did in one of the properties is this particular property, no one's able to go out out of their apartment doors but you know the center of the property had this gated garden area that no one can you know walk into so part of the plan that we do is a couple of things first is we need to clean up the the resident base which is the good and the bad second thing we want to do is we want to clean the res- uh, clean the property make sure we have routine cleaning of the property the landscaping gets taken care of Security is in the property, so we're putting a lot more lighting, we're securing the gating of the property, and then we started looking for other types of amenities that we can give back to the to the residents. So going back to the example is on month you know, two or three, we took this gated area out of the garden area. We put permanent stone benches and tables, and it was one of those little things that didn't cost a ton of money for us. But the reception of the residents was, you know, immense. They loved that that we did that. It was a community now, right? Where before it was everybody was supposed to be locked in their apartments. Some people didn't want to go out because of the bad tenants. Others just weren't allowed by the previous ownership because the, you know, bad tenants. So they were trying to keep everybody inside. But here, what we did in our strategy is that in removing bad tenants, we were able to create that community again. And everyone just really liked what we did in terms of cleaning and security. So, you know, our strategy really is around that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Is that your biggest challenge that you've had to face? Or have you had uh, an even bigger challenge somewhere else?
1: I've taken over properties that have had like 30% vacancies on day one. Either we've had abandoned uh, units. I had one where on, on week one, a tenant just walked out and said, keep my deposit. So I think that was probably one of the biggest challenges is walking into properties that had high vacancies where we thought we were taking the property over with like a 10% vacancy, but you know, we we on day one, we walk into a 30% vacancy for different reasons. Being able to quickly manage the property back becomes a big problem.
0: What did you overlook to know that you thought it was 10%? It was more yeah. closer to 30%. This is a good lesson for, for other people because they're you look at a rent roll and and you do the lease audit, and there there are definitely times when you know things don't match up correctly, and so you know this happens more often than you think. Yeah, for our listeners, so I just want to see if, if there's a lesson learned there.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So, so some of it was within the last thirty days into escrow, the property had notices to vacate, so you know we weren't aware that that was happening. I think the the whole escrow was like 75 days. So we thought entering it, we were in a good position, but 30 days to close, you know, they had notice of vacates that we weren't aware of. They weren't going to backfill it. They didn't let us know, you know, the tenant that just gave up and kind of abandoned the unit sort. I mean, that one's kind of hard to, to expect. We had other ones that when we took over, they gave notice to vacate pretty quickly. And so we walked into Difficult situation. I think the lesson learned is not to take for granted what your occupancy is on day one of escrow, to definitely keep track of what that occupancy is through the whole escrow part because you you may want the option of the current property manager to fill in those vacancies. If your vacancy is within your degree of being comfortable, you may not you may want to fill it yourself, right? But if if it's going to become destabilized, you Will want to tell the current ownership to fill it, so th- that's probably what what I would learn
0: for our listeners. You know, typically when you're buying a D property, the paperwork is in disarray, and so yeah. it's hard to make you know sense of it all. And so you're going in with that, assuming things are going to be worse than what shows on paper. Yeah, and two, it may not be such a bad thing to have it not leased up as much as you think, so you can put other people in there, and they're not just stuffing. The rental, but you got to make sure you're hitting your loan confidence You have cash reserves to cover this in time. So there's pros and cons to it. You just need to be prepared for all that.
1: Yeah, and I think that was one of the biggest lessons I learned at the very beginning is reserves, cash reserves, because you go into it, you're happy that you're paying a good price per door. There's a lot of positives with, with deep properties in terms of cost and what what you know where you can get yourself into, but you could walk into a tidal wave of different maintenance, capital projects. I mean, roofs are leaking because they're not taking care of it. Big, high occupancies or vacancies, rather, that you're just not prepared. So having a high reserve in Class D properties is a big one.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Guido, why don't you share one of your biggest wins?
1: Yeah, we bought a property early early on here in California, and that was actually the one that had that big occupancy. We walked in, we bought it for $1.3 It was in the path of progress. We liked it a lot, had a lot of problems uh, in it, including some, you know, 19 original 25 electrical that we knew was going to be a CapEx, a big one. You know, we managed it up. We have a completely new tenant base in that property that 1.3 million now is worth about $3 million. And so, you know, for, for the investment, what it was more than 2x, what the whole value is of the building, it was a good return. In terms of what we put in, in terms of the capital, I mean, it's, we're talking about four times now of what we initially put into it, Forex. So it was a good uh, day. It's a good day.
0: Nice. And you sold that property, correct? Yeah. How long long was the whole time? That one was six years. All right. Well, Guido, I asked this question of all of our guests. What is your asset management
1: superpower? I would probably say... It's knowing the resident really well, you know, in class D, that's kind of where I grew up in those neighborhoods. And so understanding that resident really well, knowing how to talk to them, knowing where, when to leverage respect versus, you know, being a little bit more strict and knowing when to pull the rental uh, strings and difficult situations to manage up. I think that that has been my, my manager's superpower. There's probably one more thing that that I'd like to talk about in in Class D properties that investors will probably find interesting is when I buy these type of properties, I usually segment them into kind of three boxes. The first one is a Class D property that that is in a rough neighborhood and has no path path to improve or progress or anything like that. The second one is you know a Class D property that is in a path of progress. It may gentrify over the time. And the the third one is, you know, Class D properties or Class C minus properties that are not on the path of progress, but they're located or have some sort of benefit, right? So a perfect example of that is location, right? So we bought a property once where it was in a neighborhood that is not going to gentrify. It's not going to get better within two miles walking distance of like downtown LA center. So, you know, one of the properties that I probably would be more hesitant to touch is a D property that has no path to improve, whether it's in the path of progress or has some sort of location benefit or something that adds to the appreciation model. And so the other two examples give you some sort of appreciation bump. And so that's one of the things that I always look for, the differentiating markers of those class D properties.
0: Having cut your teeth on some of these properties... And you've done some C and B class properties. Would you buy another D class property again? Or is that behind you
1: now? That's a great question. I think I would buy another one. That has been the start of my investment career because those were the only properties that I could really purchase at a good per door that gave me the number of units that I wanted. I certainly couldn't buy an A property or B property back then. From time to time, I see these properties come through my desk, and, and I'm really tempted. But I would. I would. Nice.
0: Well, Guido, I appreciate you coming on and talking about buying C&D class properties. Please tell listeners where they can find out more about you.
1: Yeah, you can go to www.thew2investor.com, or you can find me on Instagram at The W2 Investor.
0: Awesome. Well, this is Gary signing off. I'll be back next week with another informative episode on the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe and review this podcast as it will help us grow our audience and reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website, breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and or fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week.